Mark chapter 9, <clears throat> we're just going to spend a little bit of time. You know, this is the Foundations Conference. The Foundations Conference is named such because of that verse in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, where the apostles say, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What was happening at that time is that they were, they were sensing themselves to become, becoming more and more distracted. Uh, there were problems in the early church. As the church was growing, there were problems. And I was thinking about this. You know, we live in a very distracted age too. We actually live in a very distracted age where it's hard for any preacher, any minister of the gospel to cut through all the noise to their congregation and just get their attention. It's hard to do that anymore. Well, in a conference like this, it's hard to do that as well. Maybe for other reasons. And the reasons we, we see in Acts 6 with the early church, there were problems in the church. And problems and trouble and affliction often cause there to be these things that pull us away from giving ourselves to Christ and to prayer and to the Word because those problems are just weighing on our hearts. I was thinking, what else keeps us from giving ourselves to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, prosperity does too. Prosperity. We read that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, they choke the word so it becomes unfruitful. Prosperity actually is a great distraction, especially in the West. But one other thing that I thought was a great distraction, which is probably the most pertinent to us here and now, is people. People. People can be a distraction. And that's why I bring our attention to Mark chapter 9. We have this very familiar passage of the Mount of Transfiguration. And Christ goes up into the mountain to pray and brings his disciples. And he's transfigured. His garment becomes white and glistening. And you, they see a glimpse of Christ's glory. And then all of a sudden they see there, in the midst of all that glory... Ah, there's Moses. Wow. Moses. Now, we have many uh, preachers here that are uh, very dear to my own heart personally. I'm sure to you as well. And rightly so, we should hold them in high esteem and give honor where honor is due because they have ministered to us. I know I've listened to countless sermons of these men and they have ministered to me from afar. Just listening to them online. And so I hold them in great high esteem. Well, what do you think about this? Moses, are you going to get any more famous than Moses? And so you can imagine the disciples. I mean, it's pretty hard for them. They see Moses and their hearts are immediately, there's Moses. There's Elijah, prophet of fire. These, they're together. This is amazing. And so... Peter fell into this trap of the distraction of people. And he had to have some rebuke by God the Father, had to step in and say, this is my beloved son. Hey, all attention go to him. Hear him. Hear his words. And so my prayer is that we'll have eyes only for Jesus Christ, even here. They saw no man save Jesus only. That's my prayer. And we, we love men and we, we, we esteem them highly in the Lord. 
But hey, if we're starting to give glory to a man, you may as well call it over. It's, it's done. The Lord will not share his glory with anyone. And so we want to give all glory to Jesus Christ. Save Jesus only. Jesus only. What else do we see in this passage? This is what I want to dwell on a little bit. In Mark chapter 9, we see that the disciples were confronted with this, this son of this father who was demon-possessed. But it was unusual because they were not able to cast the demon out. Perhaps previously they had the ability to do that. They had the power to do that. This time, they could not. And they were very confused about that. They didn't understand what, what was going on. And so, what we see here is a heightened level of satanic activity. It was elevated levels of hostility to righteousness and to God. And Jesus says down in verse 29, because the disciples were perplexed, they didn't understand, Lord, why could not we cast him out? And by the way, before I go to what Jesus says, at least they asked the question. I see this, I see some parallels in our day today. We're seeing heightened satanic activity. I mean, you just look around. And I feel that the church, for the most part, is sitting by powerless to make a dent in this society. Powerless. As our brother Mark Estevedo this morning noted in the prayer meeting, we have the resources more than ever as far as good doctrine, books, literature, sermons. I mean, we're sermon audio. Two million sermons on sermon audio. But powerless, it seems, in the face of such satanic activity. We're seeing things today that, that are mind-boggling. It's, it's insanity that's being swallowed wholesale. Insanity. And it's not just insanity out there among a few. I mean, it's being peddled to children in schools now. I mean, there is this concerted, I would say, heightened level of, of activity, of, of anti-God and anti-Christ activity being leveled to the children. And we're just sitting by like the disciples and they at least were asking, Lord, why could not we cast them out? Are we asking that question? Are we asking the question, Lord, why can't we? Why are we seeing such powerlessness in the church? It's a good question to ask. Here's what the Lord says. This kind, this kind can come forth by nothing. I, I want to... Just underline this. This is my objective in this little talk. By nothing. This kind can come forth by nothing. By nothing. But by prayer and fasting. Dr. Clarence Sexton, who was supposed to be at this conference, he couldn't make it, and uh, I, I regret that terribly. But he has a, a wonderful little saying that, that says, you will reap a harvest where you place an emphasis. Now, every time I've been, we've been doing the Foundations conferences, Conference, I've been saying kind of the same thing over and over again, every opening time. 
And uh, I heard a preacher once say, why does the Bible keep repeating itself? Well, it's because nobody's listening. Well, I'm repeating myself again. And I'm going to repeat myself again. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You look at throughout the Old Testament. Just look through the Old Testament, especially the kings. When they faced their impossible situations, their critical crisis situations, every time, consistently, the good kings, consistently, what did they do? They gathered God's people to pray together. That's what they did. They gathered Judah to pray together. And it even says there, they brought their little ones and their wives and their children, and they they stood before the Lord as a single unit, and they cried to the Lord. Because they knew that they didn't have strength in in and of themselves. They knew that they had no salvation in their own armies. They were pitiful compared to the, the hordes that were coming against them. Asa, you read King Asa in Second Chronicles 14. We rest on thee and in thy name we go. Gather all of Judah together to seek the Lord with one heart and soul and all their desire. Is that the way we're seeking God? With all of our heart all of our soul, and all of our desire. And of course, look what happened after that. Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20. We have no might against this, this foe, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He set himself to what? To prepare this army? He set himself to seek the Lord. And he gathered all Judah together. Hezekiah is the same, Second Chronicles 32. What did he do? When he came across the Assyrians, this brutal, this, this uh, fearsome army, he had a prayer meeting. He had a prayer meeting with Isaiah the prophet. Jonathan Edwards, back in the 1700s, what he saw the declension in his day, and I've outlined it in this book again, one more time. This is a book that we put out a few years ago, and I want you to have it. There should be copies somewhere. Maybe if not there, they're in the vault across the way. Pick it up. Pick it up, please. And read it. It's divided into three sections. The first section is written by Jonathan Edwards. And in his day, he wrote a little booklet called An Humble Attempt. Mr. Edwards, what is this humble attempt? What are you attempting to do? Good question. The title says it all. This nice long title. A humble attempt to what? To promote explicit agreement and visible union. You have to note that. Visible union of God's people. In what? What are we coming together to do? In extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer. Now that's a really important word. Adjective. Extraordinary. For the revival of religion and the advancement of Christ's kingdom on the earth. You see, these men knew something that we don't seem to get, some of us, many of us. They knew that salvation is of the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. They knew it. In fact, they knew it so much that they made these attempts, see. And he called it a humble attempt because... He didn't know if the people were going to be with him in this attempt for explicit agreement and visible union for extraordinary prayer. But he made an attempt. And the rest 
is history. So what do we do with these, uh, with these things, with the kings and with Edwards and his humble attempts? What do we do with it? That's interesting, and we go on our way. Do we just ignore it? Friends, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Please, I'm asking you, don't ignore the testimony of Scripture, the pattern of Scripture, even of our forefathers. It's the same all, all across the board. You look through history, it's the same thing. They knew it. They met together to pray and to call upon God. Because this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You know, I was thinking about this and, and how, you know, I've been to meetings too. And, and, and challenges are given. Pleas are given. And, and often it will just water off a duck's back. But are we just going to continue on this way? Does it not bother you that Christ's name is being blasphemed day after day after day? Does it mean nothing to us that the world hates Jesus Christ and is letting it be known day after day after day? It's a little bit like Goliath, how he came out. Every day he came out. This champion of the Philistines, and the world has their champions, their giants. Every day he came out and he was, he was blaspheming, unchallenged, the God of the children of Israel. He was doing it every day. And the people of God were just sitting in their tents. They were powerless. And so David walks on the scene, doesn't he? And he says, is there not a cause? Why are we just sitting here? So are we going to continue to sit and let the world and the devil really blaspheme the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave everything for us? Is there not a cause? So what is my challenge here today? What is my challenge what, what is the takeaway? What am I asking? What's my proposal? Prayer. Oh, well, we already pray. Our church prays. We pray. I pray. Oh, well, I'm, I'm actually challenging uh, uh, this kind. You know, the, the, um, the disciples, they probably prayed as well. But Jesus said, hang on. This kind. There's something different here. We're seeing something different here, I think. This kind can come forth by nothing. Either those words mean something or they don't. You can have all the preaching in the world. And by the way, we're for preaching. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But Ezekiel was preaching all day long to those valley of dry bones. He preached and he preached. He was told to preach. So he was obeying and so he preached. It didn't make sense to him. He preached. What happened? They were very dry. There was no breath in them. And then what was he commanded to do? Prophesy to the wind. Speak to the wind. Address the wind. The wind. The wind. The wind of the Spirit. Pray. In other words, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. Prayer. We have to step it up, friends. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Fasting, by the way, that's not a throwaway word there. Fasting implies 
sacrifice, even of things that are legitimate. Okay? Sometimes we have to set aside things that are lawful and legitimate because we're more earnestly and extraordinarily seeking after God. We want to deny ourselves and give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So the main thrust of this, there's extraordinary and unusual satanic activity coming against us. It should be met with extraordinary united prayer, I believe. That's what we need, and that's my challenge to us now. We have six minutes. I want to have a prayer meeting right here and right now.